I've had the genuine privilege of not only working for today's guest, but considering him one of my professional mentors. I admire him a great deal and remain in awe of the professional success he has achieved. I am not alone in that sentiment. I was fortunate to cross his path nearly 20 years ago, and there was an instant connection. Joining his company was truly one of the great decisions I've made in my life. I loved working for him. It was as if he gave me the keys to his car and encouraged me to drive wherever the road took me. So I did. My time at his company and our personal time together helped shape the direction I wanted my career to take. He opened his doors and others, and I owe a lot to him. He is an industry titan and a rarity in this business, and I'm thrilled to have him on my show. He is the president, CEO, and founder of Horizon Media. He is Bill Konigsberg, and this is Backed by Popular Demand. Welcome, Bill Konigsberg, to the show. How are you, sir? I'm good, Dennis. Thank you so much for inviting me as uh, one of your esteemed guests. It's always so nice to talk to you. Um, I'm thrilled to have you. So I have had you on my guest list for quite a while. Um, in fact, when I started the podcast last year, when I just thought about it, I you were probably in a top three of, of names of people that I would absolutely want to talk to at some point in time. So I'm really glad uh, that you're doing this with me today. So, um, and I'll try to make this as painless as possible for you. So, full disclosure for our listeners, um, I worked for Bill and his company, Horizon Media, from 2002 to 2008, I believe. Bill, uh, that was the third uh, the third Avenue office, not not the palatial palace that you have on Varick, but this was across the street from Doc's Oyster Bar. Um, when did you leave that space, Bill? We left that space, Dennis, in 2012, so a couple wow. of years after you left. You helped us grow so much when course, you were with us that we had, to, we had to find bigger space. That's my gift to you, Bill. I, I, I was such a contributor to your company that you had to you know, move into a, a nicer office, so I appreciate the, the accolades. You know, let me tell you, Dennis, you were a bigger contributor than you realized from a culture perspective, from a smarts perspective, from your presence uh, that was the first bit of formative years of building the company and your blood in your veins still, still flows through our company. And I mean that. Oh, that's very thoughtful. It's funny. I was about to mention that. So I, I really appreciate you saying that it was a really good run. Um, and I, you know, I want to talk a little bit about when I, when, the, when I made the phone call, to, when I told you that I was leaving horizon at the end of 08, which was one of the harder phone calls I've ever made in my life. But before we get to that, um, I mean, seriously, as you just said, I, I wrote for, I was thinking about this yesterday. I wrote for the Horizon Media softball recaps, which we did each week during the season. I, I sent that out the next day and hopefully it was a win. Um, I was one of the editors of the agency newsletter at the time. I think Ruby Gottlieb might have been the other one, if memory serves. And I think I even emceed some of your awards ceremonies at the summer party, um, which I probably really didn't have any any business doing. But I say all that to say that, like, you know, Horizon was one of the, the absolute highlights of my career to this day. I mean that. And I made friendships that still exist to this day. In fact, I just hired Charlie Legg to come work for me on, um, over at Essence right now. And Charlie was a, a long term employee for you as well. So it, it, the, the Horizon connection continues. Um, and I think it was a hugely influential time for me. And I learned a great deal, particularly from you. 
Um, so thank you for that. And uh, I, I have a, a warm place in my heart for Horizon Media. But there are two memories, Bill. Start off with a little bit of levity. There are two memories I have of you that just stand out. And both of them involve the History Channel. So the History Channel was the piece of business that you had hired me to work on. So I was dealing with Mike Muhammad, who was the, the head of marketing there at the time, I believe. And so here's one of them. Uh, I guess this was probably 2003 or so. And we were, we were in the, the New York City Ad League um, Softball League. And all the major agencies played each other. And at, at the time, I think you know we had okay jerseys. You know, they were, they were okay. They were navy blue. It said Horizon in white. And uh, the guys in the team, we all started talking about it was time for us to have an upgrade in, in the jerseys. So we wanted to do something that was sort of similar to what the LA Dodgers wear, which is a, a white jersey with a, with a blue script name and a red number on the, on the lower left. And uh, we costed it out. And it was a little pricey. It was a little pricey for, for 2003. Not that you couldn't afford it. It was just more like we weren't sure what the appetite was going to be. But I was nominated to go into your office and uh, do the pitch. So I went in there and, and I told you, hey, listen, it's time for New Jersey's. We're going we, gonna to look better. We're going to play better. And, uh, you know, what do you think? And I gave you the number and you were like, let me think about it. And uh, you didn't say no, which was good. So I went back to my office and I, I swear, probably five minutes later, you, you come down the hallway and you walked into my office and you have this big grin on your face and you're like, here's what I, here's, the, here's the idea I have. And I'm like, and this was, this is what makes you bill. You, you said, um, let's put the history channel logo on the Jersey on the shoulder and, you know, so it's, it's, it's co-branded. Call Mike Muhammad. Tell him that this is what we're going to do. Tell him how much we need. You know, I think at the time it was probably like three grand from Mike. Uh, and uh, 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 it was $25,000, I think. <laughs> I, think <laughs> I don't think so. I remember it's a pretty big number, but go ahead. It was a pretty big number. And like, and, but that was it. Like you, inst- you instinctively just, you know, pivoted and like, let's, let's bring in a client. That's exactly what we did. I called the client. Mike was like, yeah, just tell me how much you need and I'll, we'll send you a check. You paid for the difference. And, you know, 10 days later, two weeks later, we had these brand new jerseys that I think a lot of us still have in our closets. I know I do. <laughs> well, you know, Dennis, when you think about it, uh, History Channel, all the TV networks back then did a lot of trade advertising to the trade. So yep. to the agency community. So here we were, a softball team playing other agencies, what better way to get the History Channel message out in the trade by putting a big History Channel logo on our uniforms? So when we're playing all of these teams and all these other agencies, History Channel comes to mind. It was it was just that's just how it clicked. And they became a sponsor of our jerseys on a trade campaign and it paid for our jerseys. I mean, and now you see that happening today in sports, Bill. You are 20 years ahead of your time with that idea. Now now everybody's got logos all over their stuff. So pretty incredible that you thought about that. And and the other one is this. So we, I remember at the time we had a a home plate signage deal at Yankee Stadium for the History Channel. And, uh, And I remember we were renewing the deal and you obviously needed to be heavily involved in the cost and negotiation and that we had to get an approval that was urgent, I recall, and you were out. And I remember that the client signed off on it and I got an approval from them. So when I was trying to get a hold of you, I couldn't. So we, we reached out to the Yankees to try to lock this thing in. You got back and you caught wind of it. And you're like, you call, you call me down to your office. And this is the first time I think I ever got like, you know, I would call it a reprimand from you. Oh, and no. you were nice about it. And you're like, you're like, Dennis, do you work for the History Channel or do you work for me? <laughs> 
<laughs> and I was like, I, I work for you, Bill. I work for Horizon Media. And you're like, all right. So next time, like, I will sign off on this before the client. So just don't ever do that again. We all worked it out. But I remember like walking out of your office and I was like, you know what? That's he's right. I, I should have waited. I thought the client's approval was all we probably needed. But at the end of the day, I know that you needed to feel comfortable about the rate that you were giving your client, which is why you're Bill Koenigsberg and, and why you care about such things. So yeah. those are my two History Channel stories that uh, come to mind right away when I, whenever I think about you. But listen, let's talk about Horizon Media for a second, and then I'm going to turn it over to you. Founded in 1989, over $9 billion in billings, which is incredible because I, I don't even know what the number was when I was with you. It was probably under, under a billion, if, if I would guess. Yeah. Um, you're over 2,700 employees um, across all your offices, and I, I would guess when I was there – Maybe 300. Does that sound about right? Probably in the mid 2000s, something like that. Maybe a little bit more. Um, you are the largest worldwide independent agency. And from what I've read, you that represents about what? One third of the independent marketplace? Probably more. Probably more. Yeah. And we were just recently at Age Data Center this year ranked us the single largest standalone agency here in the U.S. Among Incredible. all the you know holding companies and, and us. Just in, in size. It's never a goal. But they ranked, I guess they do some kind of a, an analysis as everybody does. And they had us as number one. Incredible. And you are, you are the founder and, and CEO. And, uh, you know, it, it's, your, it's your baby. So, Bill, there's a famous car story that you, you've told me before. And it's been many years since I've heard this story. I think you know what I'm talking about. Um, that sort of aligns with the, the early days of Horizon Media. Do you want to fill us in and tell our <laughs> listeners a little bit about this? I mean, you know. Sure. You know. God, you just you just said a lot in the last, you know, in the last couple of minutes. And I just again, Dennis, I'm determined to get you back. And for those who are listening, I tried to hire Dennis. I don't know, three years ago or something like that again. And he just slipped away from me. But I'm determined to I'm determined to get you back (laughs) again. And if it's a package deal with Charlie, I'll hire both of you. So that's number one. But yeah, I mean, there's an interesting car story about life and sometimes really bad things happen to you, but you don't realize that that bad thing turns into a really good thing if that didn't happen. And I, I kind of tell everybody I owe um, uh, a lot of what I've built, you know, to this car story. And, and, you know, basically what happened was years ago, I started my career at a small, one of the early stage media only agencies back in the early eighties and rose pretty quickly with them. And at some point in time, everybody on executive row had a company car. I was much younger than everybody. And the president came down to me and he said, Bill, we're going to get you a car. And I never had my own car. And I was like ecstatic. Wow, my own car. So I went out and I shopped. And I, I think I, I picked out the early BMW Series 3 something. And I think it was a 325i. And I had the brochure. And I had a piece of the smell of the leather. And I was had the papers. And I was ready to go. A couple of weeks went by. I, you know, I was telling anybody that came in to see me, clients, salespeople, my girlfriend, I'm getting a car. Long story short, the president comes into my office a couple of weeks later and I said, uh, come on, can I get the paper signed? He said, Bill, I, I don't have good news for you. I have to, I, I can't get you the car. 
I said, the guy's name was Abe. I said, Abe, what do you mean you can't get me the car? Here it is. Here's a picture of it. Here's here's the leather. Here's my keychain. What are you talking about? He says, I can't. The board won't approve it. I said, you have to be kidding me. The board, you told me this three weeks ago. The board won't approve it? He says, no. I was really upset and really, I felt embarrassed. And I tell everybody I'm not getting a car. And I was really like taken aback and pissed and shit. Now I don't have a car to drive because I couldn't afford one back then. Anyway, like the next day, I got a call from a headhunter who wanted me to go and open up the New York office for this company called Media General at the time. And I was so upset about the car. I asked the headhunter, do I get a car with the job? They said, yes. I said, okay. So I interviewed. I decided to take the, the, the position which eventually led me to spinning out a small division and starting Horizon. But about six years ago, the president of the original agency who reneged on the car called me up and he said, Bill, I haven't talked to you in 20 years. The guy's like probably 90 now. I haven't talked yep. to you in 20 years. I'm in town with some movie producer. I'd love to see you. I got something to talk to you about. Can I come up to your offices in Tribeca? And these were the new, you know, 500,000. I said, sure, Abe, come on up. Comes up to the office. He's walking around. He's looking around. He can't believe the size of the place. And he goes, Bill, he goes, I knew you built an amazing agency and I knew you were successful. But I never dreamed you built something this big. And I said, Abe, I owe it all to you. He goes, well, what do you mean? I go, yeah, this is all because of you. He goes, Bill, I knew I was a mentor, but I didn't. I mean, I taught you, but not, I said, Dave, no, it has nothing to do with what you taught me. If you never reneged on the car, I never would have left to go join that other company. So thank you so much for reneging on the car. That's and that's, that's why I left to, 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 you know, go on that journey. And again, it teaches you, it was the worst day of my life when he told me he couldn't, couldn't give me the car. And it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, and then to see what that became and what you built is incredible. So on that note, you know, so much consolidation in the agency business today, you know, so many holding companies, so many shops, but you are an independent. Talk to me about um, why that's important to you and and why that, you know, after all these years, you must have gotten all sorts of offers, I would imagine, from everybody to, to acquire Horizon, but it hasn't happened. And talk to me about the importance of that independence to you. You know, well, first of all, Dennis, I've never been focused on really my my independence. I've been focused for all these years on attracting great people, building a great culture, making our clients feel like new clients every day. And with that philosophy, the company could continue to grow and grow and grow. And who knew how big it would get? That was my focus back 30 years ago. Still my focus today, people, culture, making my clients feel like new clients every day and constantly reinventing yourself. And with 30 years of growth, year over year over year, every six or seven or eight years, I reevaluated where we were and changed it up again because you need to do that. If you think you've arrived, you're going to get run over. Yep. And even though I've had you know, a great close relationship with the holding companies and all the CEOs over there and heads really well. I just never felt the time was right from a culture perspective, from a people perspective, from a client perspective. And with the growth that I had, I just didn't know what they could do for me other than help me globally, which, yep. which I'm still not as strong in. 
So I've, I've resisted that. But I'll tell you that we're in a moment in time now where there are going to be winners and losers. The holding companies got bruised uh, during COVID badly. They laid off a ton of people. They, they, yep. they you know, cut back salaries. They froze hiring. And, and now they're paying the price for that, as you know, because there are so many people that, that they have to hire back. We never, went, we never went through that. But I'll tell you, I was never very acquisitive you know, the years in building horizon, but, but I think you're going to see us get a lot more aggressive over the next couple of years. One in terms of launching new verticals, you know, we've launched a big e-com company. We launched a content studio. We launched big for early stage brands. We launched a multicultural creative agency. So you're going to see us get involved with more verticals. Content is becoming a bigger and bigger piece of what we do. Clients want deeper, fewer partners. So you're going to see us maybe get acquisitive in the content world. I think there's opportunities for other agencies for us to launch. B2B is one of them or to acquire. So right now, you know, I'm seeing tremendous opportunity. And do I want to go at that alone? Or maybe do I want to find an interesting strategic, you know, that could help me grow even more and take advantage of what's going on in the marketplace. So I never thought the time was right to take advantage of what a holding company could do for me. And I'm always trying to see around corners, but I'll tell you, I see more opportunity over the next three to five than I've seen in the last five. Amazing. You talked about um, the reaction that that your buddy Abe had, the guy that didn't get you the car um, when he when you brought him up to your office. And I remember distinctly when you brought me into the office for the first time, the new the new space down on Varick and. And I, I think at the time I was either about to become a client for you when I was at Turner, or maybe it was during during that pitch process. But you, you, I met with you and you walked me through all the floors. There were several floors in the building, and I was blown away, Bill. Like I, I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I mean, not only is the space just gorgeous and brilliantly designed, and I know it's it's been featured in various TV shows and films as it should, but um, I was just I was in awe of the the scope of it and how many employees that you now had at this company versus again, what it was when I was there. Do you ever like, do you ever take a moment when you're walking the halls? And I know that maybe the halls are empty right now because everybody's still working from home. But um, when you just step back and kind of appreciate what you've built, I mean, do you have those moments as an executive? So I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you when I had one of those holy shit moments, when we first moved downtown and we hadn't moved in yet, and the space was just about ready for us to move in. It was completely empty. And as you know, when you were with the company, we were in about four or five buildings in Midtown through growth. So we weren't ever all together. Yep. And I remember walking through the halls before we all moved in by myself, going up and down the multiple, multiple beautiful staircases that connects all the floors and the size of the size of the floors and saying to myself, oh, my God, look at the size of this. Wow. And it's the first time I realized how big we really had become because of this incredible new stadium that, that, that we were walking into. So I had, I had that moment. Yep. The other time, as you know, you know, the energy that you get from just walking through the hallways in an office that's vibrant, tons of stuff going on tons of activities and the office space is so big and so collaborative that you just walk through there and it was electrifying to feel the energy of the people and, and, and the brightness of their eyes and their hip, the hop in their step. And, 
And that to me was really exciting. And that was very, very satisfying that I've created an environment that people want to run to, not run from. Amazing. And when I was working for you at the time, I recall that Horizon had one of the higher um, client retention rates in the business. Um, is that still the case? And if so, why, why, why do your clients, I mean, I know you have had Geico for what seems like forever. Like wh- why are companies like Geico just want to stick with you year after year when there's so much change in the market? So I think it's a combination of things. You know, it goes back to my original mantra, Dennis, of making a client feel like a new client every day and never, ever taking them for granted and constantly reinventing yourself. And we, we have that mantra at the agency. And I think it's also consistency of staff. A very high retention rate, consistency of people. You know, there are a couple of people that work on the Geico business today that worked on that business 26 years ago. That's pretty amazing. That is. There are certain people that worked on, you know, Annie Networks, which you worked on, the History Channel. I still have some of the same people working on that business that worked on that business 25 years ago. That's unheard of. So I think it's people constantly reinventing yourself. You got to see around corners for your clients. And if you don't, they're going to leave you. And it's been that culture of, I got your back. And I think clients really feel that with us when they come to us. One of the things I always marveled about you is when, when I did work for you, that you, you gave a lot of personal attention to our clients. I mean, you, you would call Mike, as I said, Mike Muhammad at History Channel, you would give him a call and, or even attend a, a meeting from time to time. But with that growth that your agency has, has gone through the last 20 plus years, you know, that must be hard for you to continue to maintain those levels of, of relationship because you just physically can't do that. You have to rely yeah, on your team. And, yeah, completely, but, Dennis. You know, obviously, I try to keep a a line in the water with as many clients as I possibly can, but there is no way that I can give them that personal attention that I gave when I started the agency. What I can do is inspire my leadership to have that same kind of behavior with our clients so that, that what was successful with me is now successful with them and the people that report to them that deal with our clients across the agency day in and day out so that the clients still get that feel of being being attended to at the highest levels, obviously more people, but being attended to at the highest levels of the company. Uh, you know, I get a status report every Friday on just about every single client in the agency. So I have a pulse. So what's going on? I read that status report every weekend. So if I were to connect with a client or I see any kind of an issue or opportunity, I can shoot an email to a client. They know I know what's going on. And it's about how do you manage your time and how do you manage an organization as large as Horizon? So I've known you to be a pretty hands-on guy. So um, in all the right ways and, you know, to, to the point that, again, like you would get involved on the stadium signage deal and, and no longer, you, no longer. But like, how hard has that been for you as an executive who runs the company to let go and, and trust your leadership team? Obviously, it starts with the people and you need to be able to build the, the right people around you. But is that been was that harder than you thought it would be? Or has it been easier over time to like to let go and, and trust others? It's sometimes it's incredibly exhilarating to see people grow and to see them make decisions and take on responsibility. And as you can imagine, it's sometimes it's been frustrating because maybe I wouldn't have made the decision that they've made, but it comes with the territory of growth and leadership. And actually now I'm willing to give more off, not less off. 
and see what people are made of. And, 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 and actually, you know, the old adage, like I said to you, Dennis, you, you're doing more than you think you can do. I, I want to keep pouring that on people and have them grow. I believe in throwing them into the deep end of the pool and yep. see how they can swim. Uh, so I'm actually doing a lot more of that. And, and there's this perception, you know, because of how I started the company that it's bill, 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 but in reality, it's my leadership team, my leadership team, my leadership team. Nice. I get credit. It's really nice. I get credit, but it's really all of them. Of course. Well, it's, it's a partnership, but I'm glad you, you brought up that advice you gave me, but I was going to reference that. Um, you gave me some great advice earlier in my career, probably 2004 or somewhere around there. And, and it was very simple. You said, you know, more than you think you do. And um, I, I remember the day you told me that I was in your office and I, I will tell you, I'm not sure if I've ever shared this with you, but you know, very simple, very profound. And I've, I've taken that with me every day um, throughout my career. As you know, I've gone through a lot over the last 20 years since I left you and not even that long, but um, you know, I've shared that advice with other people that I've managed. And it's just sort of like, because sometimes people's, you know, their biggest issue is that they just lack confidence or if they, they get self-conscious about not knowing a certain thing and, and just giving them that, that freedom to understand that, you know, more than you think. I just want to thank you for that. I mean, you obviously over the years became a mentor for me. Um, I think you know that, and that's not, that doesn't happen all the time. And I'm, I've always been very appreciative of that relationship that you and I have had, but have you had any of those relationships for yourself? Like, are there people throughout your career that you viewed as a mentor or people that you turn to today to get counsel or advice? Cause it must be a lonely place at the top because you know, you have to make a lot of the decisions, but sometimes you're a human being and you want to, you want to open up and share with somebody. Well, I think Dennis, you know, that I'm a people person and and just as you've learned from me, I actually learned from you. Uh, there are styles and the way people operate, the way people behave. And, you know, I've been a student of people for my life. And I think that that's helped me tremendously in terms of talent and, and inspiration and being able to lead a company. And I, I'm fortunate, you know, I've got a very unique, eclectic group of, I call it my outside board of advisors, you know, of some very close people that I can confide in, you know, that, that, that I'm able to go to kind of phone a friend, you know, when I want a little bit of advice, I wouldn't say I've ever had any one mentor who, who, who's been there for me. You know, it's interesting. I, I, you know, I think it's the reverse where I've always tried to save people and I've been the mentor, (laughs) not the mentee, how that's happened. I'm not quite sure. Um, but I do have an outside, you know, informal, I call it my own little board of people I can go to and rather not chat about who those people are, but, but they're in a very eclectic, interesting combination of people from all walks of life, from, from actors to business people, to tech people, to finance people. And I'm so blessed to be able to surround myself with really interesting individuals and, uh, goes a long way. Bill, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to come right back. This episode of Back by Popular Demand is sponsored by our good friends at The Waffle Company, the first ever get-and-give pet bed company in the world, which means for every bed sold, they donate a bed to a shelter dog in need. So listen, I have to admit something. I enjoy watching my dog sleep. Seriously. And I have a feeling I'm not alone in this. You know you do this, too. Watching my two pups slumber away provides me great joy especially during a stressful workday. 
It's even better when you have boxers because they're known to snore. Not an annoying honker like your drunk uncle on Thanksgiving, but just a perfect little snore that lets you know that they are feeling safe and cozy. I'd like to think their waffle beds have something to do with that. Whether I'm watching my Cowboys, hopefully win a football game, or catching up on the latest episode of Ted Lasso, my two girls are always close by, snoozing away on their waffle beds. Sometimes I'll take a picture of one of them and send it to my friend Lauren, the founder and CEO of The Waffle Company. I like to think she appreciates seeing real-time consumer engagement. Waffle beds are made with organic cotton canvas and filled with pure K-pop cotton, which is lightweight, hypoallergenic, and eco-friendly. And the beds come with two washable exterior layers that are very easy to reassemble once clean. We all love our dogs, and if you want to watch them sleep like I do, get them a waffle. By doing so, you're ensuring a shelter dog can sleep better at night, which should make you sleep better at night. But nobody wants to see a picture of you sleeping, so don't send that to Lauren. Order them at waffleco.com, just like the breakfast waffle, but with an O. As a thank you for being a loyal listener to this little podcast, use the promo code Dennis20 to receive a 20% discount off your purchase. The Waffle Company is based in Columbus, Ohio, and all of its products are made with great care right here in the USA. Okay, so let's get back to the show. Hopefully you're not sleeping. All right, Bill, speaking of the break that we just took, um, I do have a sponsor for this podcast, but now we need to talk about your clients and let's, let's bring in, let's bring in additional sponsors to my, to my podcast. I'm going to follow up with you on that. We need to, we need to follow up on that. Totally. Yeah. I don't think I've got the scale yet. I'll, I'll give you a call when I've got some, you know, some, some bigger audiences and then I think it'll be worth your time. Um, I can do a live, a live commercial right now. I don't know how much you're going to charge me for it, but we're open for business. We're hiring. We're looking for lots of people through growth. And through through a lot of ambition. So anybody out there that's listening, that's interested, call me direct. Bill Konigsberg, 212-355. Oh, wait a second. That's my home number. <laughs> you don't want to give out that number. 355-2530. Give me a call in the office. I'll talk to you directly. He's, he's, he's serious, everybody. He's not joking. Um, let's switch gears. So you referenced this a, a little bit ago. Um, the last 18 months have, you know, been a fairly interesting time for this industry. A lot of legacy businesses have been exposed, particularly on the on the media company side. Um, the chain, the level of change has been accelerated significantly. So I have I have a two part question for you. One is, you know, what are the biggest challenges Horizon faces today? And and I guess like, what do you feel like are the strongest headwinds our industry is facing today? Let me talk about Horizon. And I think. I think the the challenges are running a 2,700 person organization from home. And as you know, our space was a lightning rod for culture and energy and activity and, and, and extracurricular activities. And when you're on a zoom call all day long, you don't refuel. There's no refueling. Yep. You may, you may leave your kitchen right now, your, your desk right now, Dennis, walk into your kitchen and get a, you know, a cup of coffee or tea or something or, Maybe your partner is living with you and you can go and chat with your partner. But in the office, you're refueling all day long. There's all different sensors to do that. And you don't get that remotely. So one, it's it's the loneliness of Zoom, which I think is a huge challenge for everybody. And even though I understand the convenience of, of working from home, uh, the gas tank is nowhere near full when you're doing that because you're not refueling day in and day out at the office. So that's number one. I think the headwinds in the industry 
are that we are competing now from an industry perspective with all the platforms in data, technology, and performance. We're competing with clients for the same people in data and technology and, and performance. Uh, as you know, being on the agency side, you're, you're 24-7 in terms of, of service. And uh, that arms race for talent is, I think, a headwind right now that's, that's going on in the industry. Now, fortunately, we built a great culture and we believe that, that, that we've got a, a, a strong leg up on everybody from that perspective. But that's one headwind. I think the, the, you know, the second headwind is the, and, and I, you know, I, I think that we're navigating this really well, is we're now, you know, have accelerated personalization at scale more in the last 18 months than we have more in the last 10 years and probably five years ahead of where we would have been if COVID never happened. Understood. And how you navigate that world in terms of the consumer journey and what platforms you reach them on and who to reach and how to navigate them and understanding um, uh, what's going to inspire and motivate them, both from a messaging and an environment perspective, uh, is more complex than ever before. And, and there are going to be winners and losers in that in that world. And I, you know, I do call it a headwind because some will get it right and some will get it some will get it wrong. Yeah. And then I think obviously the third headwind is measurement. But that's been a headwind for, for quite some time. Obviously, you've seen what's just recently occurred with Nielsen and the MRC. Yep. But the headwind on, on measurement, what's the currency of the future? And how are we going to get our arms around that from an industry perspective? And is it going to become splintered that there will be different currencies for different people, which is going to complicate the world even more? So, you know, you bucket all those together. There are some big headwinds within our industry right now. There's also opportunity. Do you feel like the measurement piece is, is you know, is that like the biggest concern most of your clients have today in terms of figuring that out and, and you know, proving out performance of their campaigns and no, measuring success? No, I don't success? think – the reason I say no to that is because we know when we're serving an ad is someone taking an action. So we've got direct correlation and attribution to the media that we're putting in the marketplace, the the the, the – the measurement is more about currency, things of that nature. But but we know what's moving the needle and when people are taking an action. It would be nice to have a, a, a proper, consistent, multi-platform measurement capability. Um, but I don't, I don't know if I would say that's the single biggest problem. Your, your former employee, Brad Adgate, um, who ran research for you guys for a long time back when I was there, he wrote an article for Forbes, I think last Friday, just recently, about you know, how all the agencies today are all, you know, what are, what are their data solutions? And some of them are, you know, brokering various relationships with various data providers to make sure that they've got their data story, you know, intact for their clients. How, you know, given all the competition that's in the market for all the different agencies, how do you stand out with that? Like, how do you develop a, a data solution for your clients that is different than all the others that are out there? I think we're more advanced than all of them. We built out a platform called Blue. It's powered with 283 unique IDs in the system. It is 100% transparent. We've incorporated dozens of data solution sources that we're paying for licensing for that information that comes into the system. It's faster. It's cheaper. It's smarter. 
it's better and it's democratized as opposed to an axiom or an epsilon uh, where these companies went out and spent billions of dollars to acquire individual ID information. We've done it in a much, much cheaper way, a more transparent way, a smarter way. And, and I believe a way that's gone around a, that, that, that now can navigate a cookie-less world. And it's one of the reasons why we're growing so fast is because of our, because of our blue platform. And I would assume that's, that's built into a big part of your pitches in terms of when you're going after new business. Like I would imagine that's one of the headlines of what you want to, what you want to deliver for your clients today. It has been an enormous driver of some of the success and growth that we have had over the last year, because we built it over the last couple of years. It was, uh, you know, a cornerstone trophy and our win on Hershey against all the holding companies back about six months ago. And um, uh, we've invested a ton of money in it, but it is our North star and, and it, 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 it is gaining an enormous amount of traction across our entire client portfolio. I want to switch gears for a second. You talked a little bit ago about um, employee retention and recruitment, really. What I've noticed, having gone back to the agency side not too long ago, is that there are a lot of open positions. Whenever you go on LinkedIn, you certainly see just tons of posts about the openings that are available. Why Why is that? Like, Do you feel like we're at a... Is it a fundamental challenge in the industry right now to get people to come to agencies? Do you feel like agencies have lost their, you know, their luster a little bit? Or is, is it like they're just pursuing other avenues? Or is it just like a product of COVID? And Here, here's what happened, Dennis. You go back uh, March 2020, April 2020, when COVID hit, the holding companies laid off thousands upon thousands upon thousands of talent, yep. thousands of people. Half of those people didn't come back into the industry. And the other half that chose to come back, a bunch of them chose not to come back to agencies because I told you we're now competing with clients. We're competing with platforms. We're competing with, uh, you know, traditional, uh, uh, not just platforms, but, the you know, the big media conglomerates as well with data and technology. So all of a sudden you've got, you know, four or 5,000 individuals that have left our sector. Yep. And now you've got the economy that's ticked up again. Where are the people? Where are they? That's a huge percentage of the population that's out of the system. So that's, that's what's driving that. It will eventually correct itself. We are, you know, we're hiring hundreds upon hundreds of, of people right now. We've got a lot of great entry-level candidates that are that are coming into our industry. And I'm, I'm really happy to see that. So we're in a moment of time. Um, and I believe that, that again, those who can build the right culture and infrastructure and build more AI into their, into their, into their companies. So entry level people are working on the business and not working on the administrative stuff will help a lot, but I'm encouraged by the, by the kind of entry level talent that we're seeing coming into the industry. It's that, it's that three to five to seven year ban that has left the, you know, left the industry. That's problematic. Horizon has been listed on more than one occasion as a top place to work. Um, you know, having worked there, it's not surprising to me at all. But why, why do you think that is? And again, given what you just talked about with, you know, the need to fill these positions, 
that must be a great calling card for you when you've got people not only coming into your beautiful office, although I recognize they're not coming in right now, but you know, not only just from the location, but just this that notion of this is a great place to work that's been recognized. Is that is that really meaningful for your recruitment efforts? So yeah, one, it's very sad that that we cannot recruit with people coming into the office, because as you know, it's a great competitive advantage, really good competitive advantage. Um, our heritage of our culture is also a competitive advantage. And, you know, Dennis, it goes back to our business's personal re- roots. And I think you, you, you're probably aware of this, but, you know, during COVID, we went out in March of 2020. I sent out a bill daily note every single day every single day to our employees, all 2,700 of them. Those were some pretty dark days and ended, you know, with a note of, of an evening thought of inspiration and hope when we were going through. And we didn't just go through COVID. As you know, we went through the political yep. climate. We went through the social injustice climate. We went through the economic downfall. So it was really dark times. And it went back to businesses personal and giving people, a, you know, a center, something that could ground them. And also my daily anniversary calls to individuals across the organization. I used to send out letters. Now I do a daily anniversary call. Wow. That that goes a long way. It really goes a long way, that personal touch. That's all people want. They want to be treated as individuals, not as a number. But why is why is that so hard for some companies to 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 follow that those principles? I, I I agree with everything that you just said. I think that's why you and I got along as well as we did. Um, but that's not common, Bill, for you know a CEO at a major agency to call people for their anniversary or their birthday, whatever it might be. That's not that doesn't happen. It's not in their DNA. And you know what? One of my one of my adages has always been go the extra mile. It's about going the extra mile. There's less traffic and it will pay off if you do that. And it paid off in spades for me. And I tell my leadership team the same thing. You know, right now, when we make an offer to somebody to come work for us, they get a note from me, a note from me. Call me. You have any questions? Is there any issue? Call me. It's that personal touch. And you know what? Yeah, it takes work. It does. But that's how you build a successful organization. You got to go a little bit further than somebody else. And the, the margin of difference between good and great is tiny. And those little tiny things that you do create that margin of difference. Bill, where did you learn that from? That personal touch, that philosophy. I mean, it, was that something that you were, I mean, was that, you know, passed down from your parents and your family? I mean, I was an athlete. I played both team sports and I played both individual sports. And I love the camaraderie and collaboration on the team sports side about a team and what that meant and keeping a team together and that, that, that brotherhood or sisterhood. And I thought that was great. And then when I started Horizon, and you know, I didn't have any money and I couldn't afford to pay anybody much. Let me pay you in inspiration and, 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 and trust and collaboration and culture. And let's, let's have some fun and let's build something unique and let's not be a holding company and with all the bureaucracy and let's, you know, let's, let's go do something different. And, and it started then and I saw that it paid off. And when you have something that pays off, you stick with it. And it's been that way ever since. And I enjoy people. I'm a I'm a student of people. I like being around people. And that's why COVID was so hard for me. Yep. I lost all of that. 
So I think AdAge has recognized this about you as well. So you've been recognized by AdAge as a media maven, and you've received that award twice in your career, which is really impressive. It's let alone to get it once, but you've had it twice. You know, I'll, I'll leave you with this as I know I, I need to keep you on time, but Bill, like what's, what's the secret, you know, like, you know, what do you, what do you think of it? Was it that, was it your, your commitment to personal attention? You think that's what it's been for you all these years? Is it something else? It's a big question. I, 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 so a combination of things, Dennis, let me first start out with little luck. You have to have a little luck on your side. Of course. I think number two, setting a good example. I never expected any less of my own people than I expected of my myself. I think number three, you know, we were always an underdog until we grew the size that we grew. And we still consider us an underdog and never, ever think that you've arrived. Always constantly reevaluate yourself. Because, as I said earlier, if you think you arrived, you're going to get run over. And I would say, lastly, the people. I could not have done this without the people around me. And I try to never let them forget that day in and day out in terms of my relationship with them and how I treat them. And trust me, you know that, you know, sometimes I'm, you know, it's not all not all kumbaya. Okay, you're running a very tough competitive business and I'm incredibly competitive. And I think you put all those things together and it's about the right recipe I think we had the ingredients, but it's about mixing up the recipe the right way that creates that incredible souffle when it comes out of the oven. Yeah. You know, it's funny when I was on the client side for the last 10 years, both at Turner and at Nat Geo, I was, I had the opportunity to make a change at my agency level and, and I, I did make a change. And, you know, as you know, those, those decisions are not easy to make and they are, they're, they're not made by one person. That's certainly uh, in this day and age, that's a, a committee of people that have to weigh in on something like that. But, you know, we ended up giving you the business at both Turner and at Nat Geo. And, and to me, um, it was a no brainer. And it was like, I, I would tell my bosses at the time, like, just trust me on this, that you once, once you guys meet Bill and he walks in the room and you meet his agency and you walk the floor, you are, you're going to drink that Kool-Aid and I would see it happen. And I would join them for the meeting and they'd see you and they, you're, you're, you're very charismatic and you would win them over. And, and it made me look good because I knew that they would like that and they would have that reaction. But listen, I, I thank you so much. I mean, it's, it's been a pleasure to kind of catch up with you again today. I am no longer the Horizon Media starting pitcher for the softball team, but um, I will always be rooting for you guys. And I've said this to you over and over through the years, even, even when our paths don't cross. Um, I'll, you know, whenever I read good news in the industry about Horizon winning an account or whatever it might be, I, I feel good about that. I'm always rooting for you guys. My time there was very special. And um, you don't get that much in your career. And for me, I did. And I just want to let you know that I've, I'm greatly appreciative of the shot you gave me 20 years ago to, uh, to join the team and to learn from you because you also opened the door to me in a way that maybe not all employees at the time got. But I, I spent a lot of time with you and um, I, I asked you questions. I learned from you and, and I'm, I thank you for that because I've, I've, I've taken that and, and turned that into a, a pretty great career. Um, and I, I think I owe a lot of that to you from those six years that we worked together. Wow, Dennis, I, I'm going to bottle that. That was really, <laughs> really nice. Uh, you've always, always have held a special place in my world of what I've created. And, and, and thank you for all of that. And uh, you've not done too shabby yourself. All right. Um, 
I really appreciate you inviting me on to tell the story. Uh, continue to stay healthy. And I can't wait to see you in person one of these days. Of course. When we get there. Yep. And uh, good luck with your show um, and everything else that you got going for you. Well, I appreciate it, Bill. It's a pleasure. Thanks for joining me. Everybody, thanks for listening today. Um, I'll be back again in a couple of weeks with another episode and appreciate your support. And Bill, have a good one and I'll see you soon. Thanks, Dennis.